This is Jessica Ortner, and I'll soon be joined by my brother Nick. Our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going through a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hey guys, welcome to episode seven. I am here by myself. My brother is not joining me today and the show is late, but we have a very good excuse. June Everly Ortner was born. She's 7.3 ounces and so cute. I am flying um, over to the East Coast next week to meet her, but we already have had some FaceTime action and she is so healthy and adorable and Mama is doing so well, and Nick, being a first-time dad, is completely over the moon and obsessed and keeps texting me adorable pictures. So congratulations to the two of them, and if you want to say congratulations yourself, you can head over to Nick's Facebook page and uh, and let him know and, and wish them well, but all is well. We are all so happy. It's incredible. So... Let's jump into today's show, just a very quick introduction because it is a very long show. I'm interviewing Pete Holmes. He is a comedian, a writer, a podcaster, a TV host, just an all-around incredibly cool person. When I first moved to California just a few months ago, I started to listen to his podcast, You Made It Weird, and I became completely obsessed. I listened to it nonstop. He interviews mostly comedians, and then he has them talk about their personal beliefs and spirituality, and, you know, he makes it weird. It's awesome. So I was uh, thrilled to get the chance to sit with him. He is so nice. I went to his house in L.A., and we spent two hours together. And uh, I think it's a really good show. I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun. If you get easily offended, this is probably not for you. He is a comedian, so just keep that in mind. He swears, and he says what he really means. And in my opinion, I think that is all very good for the soul. Um, And yeah, so what else do I need to say about this? Uh, If you are new to podcasts, don't get overwhelmed by a two-hour episode. I know we've never done it before. I'm not making you sit and listen to this all at once while staring at the wall. Listen in the car while you're shopping, at work. Enjoy, have a good laugh, and hopefully you have some cool aha moments. You can also check out Pete and his tour, everything he does. No matter when you listen to this, head over to PeteHolmes.com. The man's on tour pretty often. He has... He comes out with a lot of stuff. His podcast, You Made It Weird, is, again, awesome. So that's PeteHolmes.com. All right, guys. Enjoy the show. The thing that you're going for is people, at least on my podcast, where they go, have we started? You know what I mean? Because you don't want them to feel like... I know. I've noticed that. There's an expectation. Oh, now we've started. So then you start thinking of who's listening and, and if you're being articulate or not. And if you just start with the nonsense and then find that first... But how do you test the sound? You have somebody else there beforehand. You're a technician. Well, you're fine. Okay. Look at your levels. Yeah. If, I'm not saying it's unnecessary. I actually really prefer this. It's really nice. Um, but, you know, you can do it with much less. That's what's fun about podcasting. Yeah. Well, that's what the big uh, – This that's how the podcast actually started because the first – I've been talking about wanting to do a podcast for so long. And I just – my perfectionism issues were, like, stopping me. And then mm. one – 
day, like while I was here in California, my brother called me at seven o'clock in the morning because he just has no, he's like not considerate of the fact that there's a time difference. And he's like, why is your phone on? I don't know. But he's like, well, he's like, he's like, he's like wake up, we're going to record right now. And we did. And it was awesome. And that's how I got started. Oh, really? Yeah. We recorded that day. We had no script or anything. And yeah, ever since we've just been, we've just been like, this is you it. and your brother's podcast. This is me and my brother's podcast. And what's it called? Adventures in Happiness, A Wandering Path Through Spirituality, Productivity, and Personal Fulfillment. So there's a subtitle. There's a subtitle because <laughs> we're serious. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, so another thing that inspired me was your podcast because I listen to it all the time. You know what I want to do? I want to hear about how you heard of me because you've heard of tapping. Have you heard of me? Have you mm-hmm. ever Okay. Like I saw the tapping, tapping solution. solution. Is that okay. the, the movie? That's I produced that. Okay, you're not in it though. I'm not in it. No. Yeah, I hope you haven't heard me shit on that movie because I talk about how because I, I tell people <laughs> to see it and then I'm like, please don't be discouraged. It's a little run and gun. Right. And it is. It is. I'm we, not putting it down. I'm just saying it what it is. It's 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 very. Like, I noticed stuff in that movie, like, you guys didn't clear the art. You know what I mean? You're not allowed yeah. to show, like, <laughs> like corporate logo. I, oh, I don't mean to yeah, narc no, on you. But I was like, this is just some people with cameras. Yeah. Follow- you know, there was uh, there was um, that movie, The Cure for Diabetes or something. It was about how, like, a raw vegan diet can cure type 2. Raw and some- 30. That's also a, a terrible documentary. But I love it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's terrible. You understand? Yeah, 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 totally. It's just like you look at it and you're like, if you think of something like uh, Food Inc. or Fed Up or uh, Food Matters or, or uh, Hungry for Change, those are like documentaries that have like capital B budgets. Yeah. Like their budgets, someone pitched that. There were producers. There's 10 minutes of credits at the end. And then there's this wonderful almost like podcast style documentary that I, again, I love those movies. Yeah. But you're seeing stuff that you're like, oh, someone would have edited that out, or like, we can't have that one guy with the like, he wearing the Tupac shirt. Oh, yeah. That movie is, <laughs> that movie is also ripe, ripe, rife. You know what I mean for parody. I'm, I'm looking yeah, at it. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. there's so many types, and it's so funny. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly what the movie was. We decided to make it. We put money on credit cards. It was yeah. me, my brother, his friend from high school, Nick Polizzi, who then went to do Sacred Science. Which, oh, which I've also seen, which yeah. is also a run at what I would consider a podcast style documentary. Yeah, but meaning, they're good. I mean, I like. No, I love the place for it. I, you've not mentioned one that I haven't seen. <laughs> I've seen them all, and I love them yeah. all. There, there's, there's, uh, quote unquote, worse ones. If that's bad, yeah, yeah. There's worse ones that I've really enjoyed. There's one called Something Unknown is Doing Something We Don't Know What. Something Unknown is Doing Something We Don't Know What is, huh. is the name of it. And it's really, again, if it's bad, then it's bad. Right. Or if it's great, then it's, it's really great. Uh, but, you know, these documentaries are so uh, budget and, and bare bones. But you get this thing that you're like, that wouldn't have existed. I don't know why more people don't do that. Because, you know, living in Los Angeles, I see you have an idea. Great. Uh, will get paid for it in a year, like if it goes, you know what I mean? So like people that go like, oh, I want to film a bunch of uh, sick people or or uh, inquiring people taking ayahuasca in the jungle, let's just go film it now because if you pitch it, uh, the jungles might not exist by the time you, like the world might not exist by the time you film it. (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, there's something to be said about that and I think it goes back, we were, you know, talking about this perfectionism idea. I think it goes back to when you care so much about doing it right, you don't do it. Yeah, I, I'm concerned. I'm <laughs> for what it's worth. You've mentioned your perfectionism several times and I'm just like, you gotta get rid of that. Yeah. 
That just no, sounds like I a know. nightmare. Well, it's only because I, I like was trying to postpone this podcast to like get the, you know, the perfect, which again, right? Probably, yeah, the perfect kind of setup to not want to. But then you made that movie, which was very imperfect. Yeah, no, I get over it. Uh, I complain about it. Yeah. And then I tap on it. I work on it. And I like, <laughs> you know, and I, but I've kind of made peace with it. I've made peace with that. Like there's a part of my mind yeah. that will always be like hypercritical and really want to do things perfectly. And I hear that voice and I'm like, well, I'm, I can't listen to that voice or else nothing's going to get done. Right. And then I like, and then I move through it and it's not as loud as it was before. Yeah, I'm not an expert. I'm wondering what that is. It's like an, we're going to use the word like overdeveloped sense of or overdeveloped ego, super ego, something like that, where you know you could be. Right. I don't know. Oh, I've done work on. I'm it. sure Do you, you have. You're yeah. the you're, you're <laughs> no, the tapping no. lady. No. I don't I don't think I'm you're saying, ignoring these issues. But, but I'm but I'm saying like I, I think probably where it comes from me was I stayed back in second grade and I had a speech impediment and mm. I remembered what it felt like to be left behind and seeing like oh, the grade, yeah. all the kids in front, like in the grade that I used to be with, like walk past me. And I remember having this idea of like, I'll never let that happen again. Jess, that's me too. I mean, like yeah. my whole life, that's one of the reasons why I developed, I mean, I think I you naturally have some sense of humor, but then you also like, I need to, I need to step it up. I felt, I felt like everybody was smarter than me. Everybody was like, you still kind of feel like, I remember John Hodgman when he did my podcast, he'd said, uh, he feels like everyone, capital E, everyone is capital somewhere else doing the thing that's making them happy and he's not invited. Um, but when really nobody is really doing that thing. And I think there's, I mean, some people are, I don't know, parasailing or something and they're really having <laughs> an exceptional afternoon. They're having, mo- they're having present experience. But you know, maybe. yeah, that's true. But you know, that's, that's a big part of my thing is like, even though my life is extraordinary by certain measurings but there's also just days where you do nothing like if if you weren't here doing this podcast i'd like to tell you that i'd be at some fancy thing no i would be watching uh netflix and and fucking relaxing which actually brings me to tapping yeah can i tell you the most interesting thing to me about tapping is that it works but the thing is i don't i don't think that's that weird i think the thing that's weird is that i need to find the will to do it yeah because there could even be a light switch or something. Because that's the only way you could really make it easier. It's not hard. Right. You don't need anything to do it. But you do need to quiet yourself and you need to, again, to use the term, you have to find the will to do it. So I remember I would use it for alcohol. And I, this is the pop-up. My my therapist calls these pop-ups. So I want to tell your listeners and tell you, I'm not an alcoholic. You know what I mean? Like, or if you want to say something cruel, you go like, I'm not a cruel I'm person. I'm not a perfectionist. It, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're so worried about what people think. Right. But for what it's worth, uh, there's times in my life where I drink more than I want to. And I definitely am using it uh, therapeutically. And I continue to. Yeah. That's just my thing. It's one of my things. I deeply and completely accept myself. I really do. I don't judge it. Uh, it's in my genes a little bit. It's it's habitual, but I definitely use it uh, alcohol in a way that other people I don't see them using it necessarily. Uh, they go out and they they do shots and uh, dance or something. I come home and Val will see me. I'll come home from a podcast and a, a voiceover thing and a meeting and an audition, and I get home at four o'clock and then I have a show at nine. Between four and nine, I'll probably drink because that's my evening. Like, fuck, fuck your regular thing. Like, you get to come home at eight and have your red wine, and that's normal. So, like, I've done the work to be like, this is my thing. However, how I'm bringing up all this alcohol stuff. There have been times where I'm like, oh, I'm definitely using it to medicate. I'm using it to calm myself down. I'm using it to fall asleep. All these things that aren't necessarily our highest self. 
Then I, uh, so my hypnotherapist, Cynthia Morgan, whose book is available now, uh, taught me about EFT. And she is an uh, original recipe. She's very art adamant that you should use the original recipe. I don't even know the other recipes, but uh, the way that I do it is when you're tapping the points, you say the thing. You don't say the opposite of the thing. You say the thing that is bothering you. So you say, yeah, so you say this headache or this craving. This headache. Yes, this, yep. Totally. Even though I want to drink, want to drink, want to drink, want to drink, want to drink. Want to medicate, want to medicate, want to medicate. Can't handle reality, can't handle reality. Want to sedate myself, um, whatever. Can't handle life. Uh, you go deeper into I, I write them down, you know, so I have that somewhere. And you start really getting into your subconscious and you see this little boy that's just kind of like, even though I'm scaled, you know yeah. what I mean? Not scared, scaled. Even yeah. though I'm scaled, uh, I deeply and completely accept myself. So I remember I was getting in this routine at the time uh, I lived alone. This is pre Valerie and I were dating, but it was long distance. So I was spending a lot of time alone, and then I was uh, getting into a routine of coming home and and drinking alone, which is supposed to be bad. Again, I would I would have a nine hour conversation with you about why I don't think that's bad, uh, <laughs> depending on how you're doing it. But anyway, uh, for you, I, I one night she had taught me about EFT, and I was like, I'm just gonna do it. And uh, like she had explained to me with people that like want a cigarette or whatever it is that when they're on the other side, it's very much like an enlightened place where you suddenly think that craving is kind of funny. You know what I mean? Like you get, you, you're liberated from it. So I did it and had the most profound, amazing experience. It was actually something that I, I don't hear people talking about EFT. Maybe you do. I haven't read your book, uh, but it's not in the documentary and it's not in any, it's not in anything Cynthia told me about is that I consider it to be quite a, a, a hack or a shortcut into a deeper state of meditation so I was doing it. I was listening to music. I don't even know if you're supposed to do that. You okay. know, I mean? <laughs> who cares? Who makes the rules? Yeah, no, but who cares? But you know, the left brain, right brain, and the whole time I'm listening to music. So I'm kind of like, this might be a cheat. I don't give a shit. I, I, I sometimes listen to music when I do it still. So I do it. And not only did I not drink, completely had no desire to drink, but it brought me back to a place where I wasn't, I sleep with a white noise machine. And that night I went to bed and didn't use the white noise machine because I, I was in a state of delight and, uh, uh, what is the word, um, precious. Everything seemed precious. Where I was on my bed and I could hear people talking, something that would normally, you know, ego Pete would be upset, like, shut the fuck up, like, negative stuff. Be quiet. It's 11 o'clock. I'm trying to sleep. Like, you know, not being in the moment, thinking about later. I, I need rest. I need love. I'm desperate. Shut up. And cars going by, cars, turn your stereo down. And like, oh, instead, I laid there and was really in the moment. I wasn't worried about how much sleep was I going to get. I wasn't in that depraved place. I was in that, you know, the Bible talks about God caring for the birds of the air and all that sort of stuff. I was just like, I'm protected. I'm fine. And I don't mean protected, like psychically protected. I just mean I could have had a heart attack. I just meant I felt at one, you yeah. know. And uh, so I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to drink again. This is this is what I'm looking for. Very similar to the first time I did mushrooms. I was like, I'm never going to drink again. I've been looking for this feeling, that interconnected feeling where I like to talk about the air becoming gelatinous. Like you feel like you're a part of one thing. Reality gets flattened into one thing and you're just that part of that thing. So you don't need to escape anymore. So you don't need the vodka or the wine or whatever it is. So, okay, that's great. I had this amazing experience. I tapped, and then I tapped a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm leaving a part of it out, which I'm going to tell you about now, because I don't have that many EFT stories. I was on this couch, actually. This was the couch in my living room. And uh, speaking of mushrooms, I really got to a place of such uh, stillness 
that I really was and tripping out is is too extreme of a way to say it. I wasn't like hallucinating or anything, but I was utterly fascinated with my curtains. <laughs> Sorry. Isn't that no, it's funny. <laughs> So I sat on this couch. I think it's funny that we're doing the interview on this couch. And I looked at my curtains. Anything with light, yeah. and because you know they're they're layered and folding in on themselves. They're not here now, uh, and they would move ever so slightly. I mean, like the, there wasn't a lot of wind. They were moving so subtly that if you weren't, I kind of like to talk about presence as holding your breath. It's almost like you're holding your breath spiritually. If you weren't in that state, you wouldn't even know that the curtains are moving. Uh, so I'm looking at them and I just can't believe reality and it's so beautiful. And then I go to bed and I don't have the white noise. And I, I, re- I felt like I was in summer camp. When I was in summer camp, obviously, you know, I was 14 years old or whatever. There was no white noise. There was no shut up. There was no, I need to get some rest. If your friends came and were like, we're going to water balloon the girls, you, you, you would get up, you know, right. maybe I wouldn't. I was, I, I did love sleep as a kid, but you know, you just were a little bit more there. You're right about me talking more. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So I'm here. The story's almost done. But the the punchline to the story, really that story is fine. This the, the next thing I'm going to tell you doesn't negate the first part. But here I am having what I would consider one of my transcendent experiences in life and it came about from lightly touching my face in six or seven spots and repeating certain things and kind of digging in while listening to the national if that helped. <laughs> uh great. So the next day I re- maybe it wasn't the next day. I'm improving the story. The next day I come home, same sort of routine, long day, want to, and I want to drink. And then I, I remember, maybe I did tap, but eventually at certain at some point, I remember having this very distinct feeling of, I don't want to tap because I don't want to transcend the desire. Yeah. Which is, again, it's an enlightenment thing, is is the first step to waking up is admitting that you don't want to wake up sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And admitting that you don't want to not want the drink. You don't want to not want the cigarette. Your ego is insisting that it exists, and my ego exists when it goes, I like alcohol, I like movies, I don't like street noise. This is it insisting that it is Minded, uh, mind identification. So then, like, I'm saying, let's step into the soul identification, for, or, or you can say essence if you're not a spiritual person, but just like your true being, not your construct of reality that you've been taught through your parents, socialization, your clan, your country, media. So you want to step away from that, but you don't. So then I'm drinking alcohol again. And I loved it. There's no story. I did, this wasn't a rock bottom story. I didn't go out and get uh, DUI or anything. I drank alcohol and I, I really enjoyed it. But it's so strange to me to think that there's a better, quote unquote, better thing, or let's just say other thing that I enjoyed so profoundly that I still remember it. I don't remember that drunk night. Right. Or whatever, you know, liquored up night. I wasn't like fucked up. But I do remember the air standing still and, and the curtains. But then... It's almost like it's like why don't we choose to go there more often? That's it. Yeah. That's one of the phenomena uh, of being a human, I suppose, is we all know what we should do, mm-hmm. and we don't do it. And that's why I actually think if there was a pill, a will pill, if there was a pill that you could take that gave you the right uh, chemistry to to <laughs> do the very basic thing, like I'm saying, EFT is very simple. But still, I would be like, I I can't. I've started and stopped before. I'm like, fuck this, I can't. Why? I don't know. See, but what's the judgment around starting and stopping? Like I hear people say that and it's like if we let go of the judgment that it, that we have to have this like consistency to it and just almost p- 
put let go of the pressure, yeah, you know, it almost becomes a lot more welcoming to I, be able to fall into it. I completely agree, and I I am that way, uh, or I I try to be that way. I should say, meaning like I meditate, but I don't meditate every day. And 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 people are like, well, you got to meditate twice a day for twenty minutes. And I'm like, you don't know what I'm talking about. Like I'm right. meditating right now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. you don't know yeah. what you're talking about. And and. This great Ram Dass quote is he he goes, all methods are traps. So EFT is a trap. Meditation is a trap. Catholicism is a trap. Judaism. Th these are his examples as well. He goes, you don't want to be a meditator. You don't want to be a tapper. Yeah. You want to be free. Yeah. And when you, when you own that, you will be that much quicker to stop and not judge yourself. Yeah. The very thing that's trying to teach you to accept yourself, you're beating yourself up for not doing it. That That is the definition of defeatist and ironic and right. stupid. One of my favorite questions, because I, I find myself in those situations as well where I know that I should be doing something and I'm not doing it. And the question I always go to is, what's the downside of getting this done? So, you know, what's the downside of having nights where you have that moment where you're looking at the curtains and you feel, you know, as one. And if you really dig in that, you know, for me, sometimes when it comes to say success, I think people fear success as much as they fear failure. Mm. And it's like, if I feel great all the time, will that mean I have more expectations? Does that mean I should be creating more? Should I be writing more? Should right. I, you know, it's all those judgments we even come with. We, we judge our own evolution and then put more pressure on it. Yep. I agree with that. Uh, I believe I'm embarrassed. I can't remember who said it. I think it's Nelson Mandela who said our greatest fear isn't that we're inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. Yeah, I think about that all the time, and uh, of course that's true. And I think one of the things that keeps us from doing the thing that we don't want to do, and this is actually kind of funny, I think, is liberty. I talk about it on stage. Is is the the ego is really hung up on liberty. When I say ego, <laughs> for people listening that might think that's a strange choice, I just mean your mind. Yeah, okay. I just mean uh, the way most people, I think, are living in their in their ego, um, which is fine. I do most of the time as well. Um, but like, I'm walking home last night. I, I did a show at UCB, and I was walking home, and I was feeling really good, and I was getting some exercise, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and just like not eat. Uh, it's eleven o'clock. Let's just go home. I, I get in a bad habit of eating before I go to bed. Makes you feel warm, and you, you sleep, and you think you sleep better, and all this stuff. I get home, and Val had ordered a a cheeseless pizza, and I. Why did I eat the pizza? Uh, because of liberty. There's this illusion that someone is telling you you can't eat the pizza. No one's telling you anything, right. but you have this thing in your brain. I call it my brain dad that goes, "You shouldn't eat that pizza," and then. My mind wants to say, fuck you, no one tells me what to do. No one robs me of pleasure. No one robs me of my freedom. But the funny thing, the reason I think this is a funny observation is we're talking about true freedom, and then there's the ego's idea of freedom. The ego's idea of freedom is push the button, get the cocaine, push yeah. the button, get the cocaine, push the button, get the cocaine, when really, of course, that's a trap. As I'm saying that, I'm realizing that that's a trap. You're you're experiencing one type of freedom when looking at the curtains and laying on the bed and almost having like a very basic, like the basic nature is moving you. That's freedom. That's fearless. And the guy eating the pizza because he's like, um, what if I don't sleep well? That's literally a fear choice. Or what if I'm what if I'm being too hard on myself? It's like, just relax. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> it's almost like even if you're doing everything right and you're eating right and you're drinking perfectly, but you're so stressed out about it, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. 
I well that that see again I agree with that. I don't think anything should be too rigid again because none of that is is what it's all about. Like you shouldn't I don't think you should be too rigid in any practice what whether it's meditation or EFT or you know I'm a vegan but like I I like to say I'm a vegan even though I don't I haven't had meat or dairy in a very long time. But you know, okay, here's here's a very EFT but not EFT thing. I was in Austin not that long ago. This is the last time I had some meat. And we were, me and my friend uh, TJ, who's a very funny guy, were uh, drunk and we uh, got high and we were in his hotel and it was a real liberty moment, capital L, liberty. I wasn't that hungry, but we ordered room service. And that's just like, you're living better than a pharaoh (laughs) at that point. You're like, we can pick up this phone and you're high and it just seems so amazing. And you're ordering one of everything. Then the food came and I ate this cheese quesadilla. Now, the non-vegans out there would probably like me, maybe, I don't want to project, to include that it was the best thing I'd ever tasted. It wasn't even that big of a deal. It tasted just like a vegan quesadilla, to be honest, yeah. but it was good. But I was eating it and experiencing that real, like, fuck everything that's very liberating and can feel good. And uh, I don't feel too bad about that. Now, I go to bed. I wake up around 4 or 5. Well, now I probably got back around 2 or whatever. So I wake up 5 a.m. And you kind of... For anybody that's ever drank or smoked pot or whatever, uh, or had a night, you know, you wake up and then you start kind of remembering what you yeah. did. Your brain is going like, good morning, welcome back to the world. Do you remember last night? And it wasn't that we were blacked out or anything, but it just kind of goes like, it's like a, your assistant hands you a folder and it's pictures of you eating quesadillas <laughs> and, and, and drinking and being stupid. And something that EFT taught me that has nothing to, it's not technically EFT was, what I said uh, to myself every time I got that pang, and it really is kind of like an electric charge coming from your stomach, this twinge of guilt. You ate a quesadilla, a chicken quesadilla, you're a vegan. That's like, no and no. And I'm not a big pot person because like my brain is very fragile and I really uh, am am, uh, jealous and protective of my ability to communicate and remember and understand. A lot of that has to do with how I was raised uh, and my family and stuff. So I'm not crazy about the fact that I smoked pot, and it was probably like the second night in a row I had smoked pot because it's a festival and whatever, and I I guess I wanted to. So every time I got that twinge, that electric charge, uh, I would just say, I love you, Peter. I love you. I love you, Peter. Peter, too. My name is Peter. I go by Pete with everybody, but there's something paternal. Yeah, Yeah, Peter. And it was very base subconscious, and it totally, it didn't, work. People are looking for something to make it go away or whatever, but it worked. You know what I mean? I was like, and I do this all the time. It's just like, I love you. There's nothing you can do to separate you from my own love. Does that even make sense? No, totally. (laughs) And as you're like meditating and tapping and just saying, I love you, Peter, it's like taking you to the same place. Yeah. And the more often you go, I think the easier it is to start to get there. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. And that's what some people would call, I think, enlightenment. And I, I, I was writing something recently. I was like, I'm not enlightened. I dip in and out just like right. you. And we all do. But the the idea is what are the things that help us dip in and what are the things that you might even say help us dip out? You know, mm-hmm. there, there's that idea of, uh, again, it's biblical, but it's also in every pretty much every mystic tradition that I've studied is the idea of being in the world but not of the world yeah. and that idea of Sometimes it is eating a, a chicken quesadilla with TJ. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't want to be in all the time. 
I feel like that lacks the what we're actually like on this earth to do. Well, that actually, sorry. No, go ahead. That is that is the big thing that you have to overcome if you were to fully become like a Buddha or whatever. As the story goes, is you like I said earlier, you, the first step to waking up is realizing you don't want to wake up because. We like our lives. This is, again, this is Ramdas. He talks about it's like as the world turns. It's like, does he, won't they, will she, they hurt me, I hurt them, I love you, I fire you, I hire you. Like we love that sort of stuff. It's the juice of life. But there's a way to be in that but not not fully buy it as reality right. where re- reality is just play. Yeah. People talk about the meaninglessness of things. I had somebody on the podcast recently that was like, I was doing a TV thing. And I was like, what's the fucking point? In a hundred years, everyone here is going to be dead. This project will be forgotten, long forgotten. And even if it is remembered, what does that mean to me? I'll be dead. And I was like, yes, empty, beautiful. Like there's a beautiful emptiness and there's a liberating emptiness and that coexists, uh, Ram Dass talks about with a vitality. He's like, it's, it's precious and vital and empty. And he's like, you can't have one without the other. And, <laughs> and then there's a depressing sort of hundred years, all new people that makes you sad. Right. There's So one of the previous episodes was with a friend, Ryan Holiday, who's really into stoicism. And I don't know what that is. It's I don't really know. It's like Marcus Aurelius was one of the most famous Stoics. And I might completely butcher this. I think this, someone gave me a book on this. It's really interesting. It's It's the concept that if you just assume that there's going to be drama, that that you're going to start your day and someone, you know, Marcus Aurelius, he's this this Roman emperor and he knows that people are going to be complaining about different things. And if he goes in the situation expecting that, but knowing that he doesn't have to be emotionally uh, impacted by it. Mm. And like the, the thing about stoicism is having no judgment and just a level head. Do not make any decision when you're really happy or really sad. Just have that level, mm. that levelness. And some people might look at that and go, well, that's kind of like being a robot. But when I then hear other spiritual people speak, like we also had Mike Dooley, who you would love. He does these notes from the universe. They're Mm. like these little sentences that kind of blow your mind. And his whole thing was not so much about positive thinking, but non-judgment. And I think all of these principles, it all goes down to like, let's just stop overthinking. That's right. (laughs) I just had uh, Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan friar, and and everybody loves to throw around in the Old Testament, it says, do not judge. Very biblical day. I don't know why. I don't yeah. want people to get the wrong idea. <laughs> but people do love to say, judge not lest ye be judged and all that sort of thing. When they're not being judge. judged. Exactly. Yeah. And, to, and to stop things that they don't want to happen, which is, I, I get it. Uh, but he says judging can really be uh, translated as labeling. So it's mm-hmm. this idea of resisting. And all the, a lot of them, something that I keep coming up and it doesn't matter which tradition it comes from is the idea of do not resist. It's like, don't resist what's happening. I know most people hear that and they're like, what if I'm being kidnapped? Fine. Kick out <laughs> the guy's face and, and roll out of the car. Like I get right. it. Like, relax. We're talking about when I get in a car and, and the cab driver is, is sucking on his teeth in that kind of annoying yeah. way. Don't resist. Don't, don't resist. You have no – your essence has no interest. Uh, again, this is Ram Dass. I'm going to just keep quoting him because he's uh, he's one of my favorites. Your ego – I'm sorry, your soul or your essence has no attractions or aversions. It sounds kind of stoic, right? Mm-hmm. It just observes them in your ego. So when you go, I wish this guy would stop sucking his teeth – Observe that, but don't don't resist don't resist it. Just keep right. going with it. Again, it's it's a psychedelic thing too, 
there's that sort of idea that of the bad trip or the bad experience. And it's like, what happens if you stop resisting it? What happens if you just kind of let go? Yeah. Well, it seems though as, so I'm obviously not a comic, but I, I think Why about that. I don't, well, I don't know. I, you I don't seem confident. <laughs> you. It's fine. Well, have I been funny yet? I don't, <laughs> no, I'm laughing. <laughs> no, but it's the idea of, but I think, I think about it. Like knowing that I was going to interview you, I've been listening to your podcast. You interview a lot of, comedians you talk about comedy i i've also gotten really into seinfeld's new show a lot of comedians oh the, and the car is coffee the, the car and coffee one so what i have noticed is i feel like a good comedian is someone who can observe something that everybody thinks is normal mm-hmm. and bring it to everyone's attention to look at it in a different way where you just start cracking up because you're like actually the way that we're living every day is is a bit ridiculous there's right. so many moments so with that, you have to have this mentality of of looking at things very closely and with a mentality of what is ridiculous about this. So as a comic, how do you have that comic brain when you started to learn about, say, spirituality and somebody said, okay, you have to say, I love and accept myself. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that was more difficult for you to experience as being a comic? And how do you, or if not, like, how do you explain that to somebody who does have that trait of kind of bringing something up and going, this this actually looks ridiculous to say, mm. I love and accept myself. Yeah, no, I hear that. I, You know, saying all this stuff, it seems like there should be some comedians in the back of this room, like making fun of what we're saying. So I get that. But Are they in your head? Do you notice like, or it's not a No, deal? because I'm not really too attached to any of this. Yeah. I think the the anger or the or the passion would come if somebody was like, well, that sounds like horse shit. And I'd be like, yeah, man. I don't know. Could I, be, I, it yeah, could yeah. be. It <laughs> totally. sure could be. And that's not, that might be like a, a, a an easy way out, but not attached to any of it, you know. Yeah. Which which. But comedians that like most people, I think, confuse comedy with this sort of tearing down uh, cheap sarcasm. You mm-hmm. mentioned sarcasm earlier. Sarcasm can be great. It really can make me laugh very very hard. But a lot of people claim this like cheap sarcasm where. My friend Rob Bell talks about how it's really a wound. It's like you've put yourself out there, you got hurt. These are his words, by the way. And now you keep life at an arm's distance and you just go like, yeah, I want to go to Six Flags and wait in line all day. (laughs) That's not a joke. You haven't, you didn't, you didn't make a joke. You said the opposite. I'm laughing, but it's not really that funny. No, no, no. You laugh because it's familiar. Yeah. (laughs) But then there, there is, I think there's a direct correlation when I am putting myself, when I'm spiritually holding my breath, when I am in the moment, when I'm not resisting. And that just means postponing your happiness, meaning I spend a lot of times in airports because I travel and I go like, you, you hear your brain going, I can't wait to get home, meaning I'll be happy when I get home. Uh, I'll, get, I'll be happy when I get home and when I shower. I'll get hope, happy when I'm at home and I shower and I see my dog and my girlfriend and I'm reading a book in bed. And then I'll be happy when I get up in the morning. And, and you're never happy. You're always just postponing your happiness. Uh, but when I'm not, and I'm just realizing that where you are is the only true reality, and that's not a mystical teaching, that's just mm-hmm. true. Everything else is just an abstraction. It's a fantasy about the future, which is a waste of time. Or it's just replaying the past, which is inaccurate. And uh, from your perspective, like who knows, it's garbage as well. So the times that I've uh, been, who says, I think it's Anne Lamont. Is that a person? Yeah. Anne Lamont talks about smiling like Mona Lisa, that, that sort of wry smile. 
And when I put myself in the, in the moment and really say yes to what is and don't resist what is, meaning I'm in an airport in Portland, meaning my flight is delayed 30 minutes, there's nothing I can do about this, meaning they fucked up, this all happened recently, they fucked up my order, they put cheese in my order, I told the woman vegan three times and I saw her three times not hear me. It's all fine. When you put yourself in that moment, instead of tearing things down, which is keeping you on that ego level, being like, fucking old ladies, I knew she wouldn't get my order. Oh, of course it's delayed. American Airlines, you know, big surprise. Yeah, like all that stuff. Now I'm going to miss my meal. Dinner is going to be postponed, all that sort of stuff. Or you can just say yes to what is. And really, I don't mean being a phony. I grew up in a church with a lot of fucking phonies that are, I call it, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, Christianity, hey, buddy, hey, brother, like angry, furious, horny, addicted, ugly people pretending to have the Mona Lisa smile. But when you know it, you're really having it. Uh, and, and there's no, nothing phony about it. So I'm standing in line and I watch this woman uh, drop a bottle cap. And then instead of picking it up, she kicked it five or six times, way more effort than it would have been to pick it up. And she just near a garbage can where she abandoned it. <laughs> and I looked around and of course, I'm not judging anybody. Everyone is on their phone. Nobody's looking. Everybody's waiting instead of being. They're waiting. I'll be happy when I'm eating my food. And I chose in that moment to be happy in that moment. And I was tearing up with laughter, just kind of quiet laughter. She And I wasn't even laughing at her. Right. wasn't cruel. And if it was, I would tell you. I'm not trying to yeah. be like pious. I just was so delighted in that moment. And when comedy comes from that place, as opposed to tearing something down, so many people uh, hit pause at, at the 14-year-old personality where you get friends and a girlfriend because you go like, Mrs. Johnson sucks. It's like, okay, great, fine. I did that too, and I still do that. But that's what a lot of people think comedy is. And, and now I'm so much more interested in what turns people on. I don't mean sexually. It's like, what what is the juice for you? What is What really brings you to a peak experience? Because I don't want our developments to arrest when we're 14 and 15 and just live the rest of our lives saying like, oh, P.F. Chang's, you know, that's real Chinese food. Shut up. Just where would you like to go? Yeah. Tell me what you would like, or let's go to P.F. Chang's and laugh at how silly it is. Not because we're threatened by it and we're afraid that people are going to think that we think it's good Chinese food. Let's just go to the P.F. Chang's. Let's relax. Yeah. And, and, and laugh at what is and don't resist. And I like to do, uh, this sounds very, very lofty, but I'm a lofty person, is the idea that I like to do comedy that comes from that perspective, which is standing on the table instead of just looking under it and saying there's gum down here. Someone put their gum down here. Like, I think, again, I'm talking so much. You're so gracious to listen. I think one of the reasons I got a talk show, Conan told me that my comedy was coming from a place of positivity. And what does that mean? The second time I did it, I did a bit about how I love magic. And in there, there is a little sarcasm and there's a little bit of this or whatever you want, to, a little bit of negativity if you want to call it that. But the premise of the bit is I love magic. Please make me believe in something. Show me a miracle. I want to believe. Everybody else wants to figure out that the guy's not really magic. We all know he's not magic. But let's let's buy into this because it costs thirty dollars and, <laughs> and life is long and, yeah. and I had a hard day. I want to believe that he's flying. Don't don't tell me your guess on how he's flying. Let's just let's have this Go experience. With Go with it. Say yes. Say yeah. yes to what is. And then every like I can't and I'm not. Maybe I am putting them down. Let's be negative. I'm putting down other comedians. 
so many, I've seen 150, if I've seen one, magic sex bits. You're not magic. Where was that bird? You don't have ribbons in your mouth. You didn't. That comes from a scared place. Right. You don't want to be duped. You don't want to be delighted. You want to be the smart person, the alpha that goes, this is fake, and I know it's fake. Good for you. Do you see them succeeding? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot of comedy. It's not, it's not all of comedy, and I actually don't think the most successful comedians are doing that. If, one of my favorites is Bill Burr, and he will rant against something, but it's not in that cheap hot topic cashier sort of way. I don't mean to generalize people that work at Hot Topic, but the t-shirts that they sell at Hot Topic, that's just like tearing things down. It's like, it's so much funnier to see a man like Bill confronting his fear of not being strong enough to escape his house if it was on fire. That vulnerability wrapped in this angry Irishman, this redhead getting fiery and worked up. So we see him, ourselves in him. I'm not, I'm not here to deny any part of the experience again go hey buddy i'll never get angry fuck you you coward tell me tell me you get angry tell me you doubt everything it's the vulnerability exactly i i have the older i get or whatever it is i have no patience uh for people that don't want to tell me that they feel everything that they like i like teaching this stuff i like talking about this stuff i like sharing it with people but like so hugely flawed and I've never yeah. I don't see enough of that I don't see enough of people being like I ate a, ch a quesadilla or, or like I remember another pot story recently I was high and my girlfriend was out of town for two weeks and I just didn't know what to do I'd, I'd have these whole days and I was like oh, I've never smoked pot alone and I smoked pot and then I was eating a, a vegan pizza and while I was eating that pizza I ordered Thai food while I was eating the pizza <laughs> so that is not like a Tony Robbins killing it <laughs> simply the best you know what I mean? Like I should have, this elliptical, I should have been on this elliptical. I should have been writing. I should have been, all these things. But it's, we dip, we dip in and out. It's right. both. But too many people are like, I, I am an awakened thing or I'm not an awakened thing. It's like, everybody is both. Yeah. Well, the challenge is when people dip out, they think the way to dip back in is to criticize and beat themselves up for dipping out. Yeah, who cares? That's gone. Yeah. Jack Cornfield, like the, the night I ate a quesadilla is gone. It's gone. People talk about letting go of the past. That's a big EFT thing too, I think. And believe me, I've, I've had things divorced and, and pain and missed opportunities and all this stuff. I've, I've been plagued by the past all the time. But there is something, Jack Kornfield, who's a Zen Buddhist teacher, has this great turn of phrase that he says, it's gone. It's with the pharaohs and the dinosaurs, which I just think is so great. It's like yeah. that night I ate the quesadillas. Where is it? Right. It's gone. It's in the, that's another way that we accept reality. We have this thing that we agreed on called the past, and that's real. Yeah. Even though it's, I mean, it is real. I'm not saying it's not real, but it's just so weird how linearly and and concretely we think of it. Yeah. That's that happened, and I'm mad, and and until I get my revenge, I won't I won't have any satisfaction. Or, and I don't want us all to be aloof zombies. You can choose to accept the reality that it's also completely gone. And this and, and and in this moment in this time we think we have dinner coming up, we think we have a shower, I you have to shave, I need a haircut, or you can just go like or I could do fucking anything. And it's all these constructs and prisons that we've made. You can go do a documentary in the jungle 
about people taking ayahuasca. You can be one of those people. Uh, I understand that there's a process and then people get stuck in that. They're like, how am I going to do this and this and this? It's just like, just do the first thing. Just, just, right. just take that impulse to do the first thing and don't worry about the rest. Going to, uh, to talking about dying. When I was driving up here, I was actually listening to your interview with, um, Dana Carvey. Oh. And there was one part where he said that he had, a, he has a friend who was like really scared of dying. And he said to him, well, where were you during the Renaissance? Yeah, I love it. I love that. Isn't that good? So where were you during that's the Renaissance? A, you weren't. You were dead then. That's a note from the universe, right? right there. <laughs> that really is. It really is. Uh, no, what a, I think that all the time. Death is is scary to me for sure. I think about. It. I think it's so crazy. I can trip myself out thinking you're going to be there. Woody Allen has this great joke. He goes, "I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens." And I was on a, an airplane once, and it was this was recently and it was very turbulent and I was trying to be Zen and in a moment and in an unpleasant moment, even, you know what I mean? Not escape, not go to some deep woods in my mind, but just be like, this is what it's like to be on a plane that is, you know, moving side to side and up and down and all that stuff. And then I was like, you kind of have this moment where you're like, it doesn't matter if this is when I die or when I die later, you're still going to be there. <laughs> like in the, like you're still suffering right now in this plane. I don't get it. Well, what I mean is, oh, like you're it's kind of meaningless. Anyway. You're going to die at some point. It could be now. Yeah. But even if it's later, I think we, at least I catch myself thinking of that death being in the third person. There's Pete crossing the street and he's hit by a truck. No, that's going to be you. It's going to be first person. You're right, going to be the right. one and you're going to feel it and you're going to die. You're going to be the one that as you're dying, hopefully isn't swelling with panic, but can try and find some uh, peace. That's my hope. But uh, you're still going to be there. So there, there was a sort of like, either way, it's it's going to happen. Now, that could sound very scary. But then what Dana Carvey said, or Dana Carvey's friend said, is where were you during the Renaissance? And that is, I think, the quickest way to peace. It really is. It's like, you have already been dead. You were dead before you were born. And you have no memory of that and no fear of that. And it, actually, when I when I think about it, I'm like, that sounds like a really good rest. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's perspective. I was just reading an article about the first picture of Earth that was ever taken from the moon mm. and how it changed everything, how like it really impacted people because of that idea of just almost moving so far away from your life mm -hmm. and noticing how small we are. Yep. You know, and it's a balance because sometimes we have to kind of remember how great we are and that anything is possible and we're limitless. And other times we have to kind of take that like a wider perspective oh, for to sure. say nothing matters. In the Seinfeld writing room, they had a picture from the Hubble telescope of our solar system. And it was so whenever they had, I, I wasn't there, I just heard this, whenever they had, they'd have some petty argument about a joke or a storyline or something that have that picture kind of watching them. And some people get freaked out by that. I have people that don't like to meditate or contemplate just how small and insignificant we are. Uh, but that, I, I take a lot of peace in that. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's what that's what we're talking about when we're talking about being. Again, Ramdas talks about being up to our eyeballs and in, in this narrative, in this like drama where we're like, are they going to call me back? Are they? Well, this and that. If you could just zoom out, you'd start laughing. And that brings into the comedy. That's the cosmic joke. Yeah. It's like that is the ultimate sense of humor is to be able to laugh at everything. You talk about this conversation being ridiculous. So TJ Miller is an is a nihilist and he he's a huge 
Nietzsche guy, and, and he just loves talking about how everything is uh, meaningless in this really inspiring and beautiful way that I actually agree with. So I've, I've in certain ways, I've gone this mystical approach, and he's gone this nihilistic approach, and here we are kind of saying the same things, and I think that's really quite lovely. But the, the one thing that's in the middle that I think neither of us want is that sort of belief that whatever you're doing is really important. Now, this is the real mm-hmm. thing. I uh, We're watching House of Cards, and I'm like, I don't think there is a more, what you could say, satisfying to the ego or just like egoic existence than like politics, where you're like, this needs to pass, and this needs to happen, and this meeting, and this guy backstabbed me, this guy's vying for my seat, and there's no rest, and all this kind of backstabbing and stuff. And I get that. Uh, and then on the other side is is some guy in the Himalayas just kind of giggling. Right. Yes. Well, and then <laughs> there's the people who are looking at spirituality. They're they're trying to be spiritual and open, but they take it so seriously. Well, that's, that's again, what Ram Dass, he says that it's this egoic uh, taking, what's the word that's like subsecting or something, but where they take uh, spiritual practices and turn it into a way to get power or whatever, or, you know, they're selling it as opposed to when someone like Ramdas says every, all methods are, are traps, meaning what I'm telling you is a trap. This is, this lecture is a trap. You don't want to be a person that listens to lectures. You want to be free. That is true spirituality. When it's something where you have to pay your way and you get this class and this class and you get this special crystal and you get the, Every every rock is special. Every inch of matter is special. It's it's it's, it's all it's all uh, precious. Yeah. Well, and there's a I think there's a place for that. The challenge is where are you coming from when you enter that yeah. space? You know what I mean? Like I think for many people, taking a class in spirituality, a class in meditation, can be exactly what they need to take oh, them away yeah. from what they're doing. But if there's like the 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 ego kind of comes in, and now they go around being like, "I got, me- I know how to meditate." That's right. They one up everybody when it comes to their spiritual knowledge. We well, just kind of lose it. Yeah, and it's not even losing it. You're talking to somebody that's taken those. Cl- I yeah. took a TM course, and uh, I didn't take a, a tapping course, but I did go to uh, my hypnotherapist. Is like hundreds of dollars. You yeah. know what I mean? I gave this, and it was worth it. Hundreds of dollars to this woman who taught me EFT, which, you know, you can also learn. I'm sure you know where you can learn it online and stuff. Um, on our website. On your website. <laughs> I You wouldn't the believe. TheTappingSolution.com. I'll pitch it myself. I, I have <laughs> on my phone the, the diagram that teaches you how to do it. Oh, really? And I've given it to so many uh, comedians. So few will do it, though. I don't think any of them You should send them it. my way. I don't, you don't want these lunatics. <laughs> <laughs> you <get me> tickets? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can go to their show if you want and listen to to that. But um, but no. I'm I, again. It, it's talking about resisting these things. It goes back to in the world and not of the world sort of stuff again. So we're not resisting classes or tapping or meditating or whatever it is. I'll even indulge bragging, spiritual bragging. I I, I don't have a problem with it if it's a friend, if it's somebody that like. I, like that story I told about the curtains is a type of spiritual bragging. I sat here and I got there. Capital G, capital T, I got there. I did it. I did it right. That feels nice. That's that's my ego kind of enjoying my uh, my essence's uh, achievement. And that's fine. And there's a place for that. But like resisting it and saying, no, I'm a, I'm a monk. Ramdas calls that the horny celibate phase, where where you, you don't have sex, but like Does he really call it the horny celibate. The horny <laughs> celibate, because you realize that resisting it 
is another way for it to get you. So we don't want to be drowning in any of these things. We don't want to be drowning in classes. We don't want to be drowning in your job. You don't want to be drowning in your relationship. You don't want to suffocate in anything. You want to be free, as we keep saying. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. It matters how much you're allowing it to squash or encourage your true self. Yeah. So you can you can do clat. Do clat. Be a Scientologist. I don't care. Whatever is getting you there. Like yeah. we're supposed to poop on Scientology and I get that and I saw the documentary and it's strange. But like it's very strange. But like if there's something that's getting you somewhere, now it sounds like I'm endorsing it. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know. My well, point is – Are you is, saying like if it's not hurting anyone else and it brings you to a – Kind of. I don't know. That sounds too <laughs> definitive of a statement. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just keep it to me. I don't know anything about Scientology. I don't know anything about uh, different methods that aren't my own. But I will say we can't beat ourselves up for reading Meditation for Dummies or watching EFT videos. It's fine. Yeah. Just don't drown in it. Don't don't lose your your the point of what you're doing is is to liberate your soul. Yeah, it's like I was uh, I called Nick. I talked to him this morning. I was telling him how I was nervous. And I was like, will you just like send me some good vibes and we get some good energies? He's like, no, shut up. You'll be fine. Just be yourself. And it was, it was like exactly what I needed to hear because we do that. You know, we do. We're like, okay, I need something. Do I need to meditate? Do I need to do something? How do I get right. myself in the state? Right. Instead of being like, just shut off the brain. And then, show up. you know, similarly uh, or dissimilarly, but also similarly, I remember when I first started doing FD, I really got into it. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember I went to a party. I think it was a it was a rap party for something that I was shooting. So I was you'd think that would be the most comfortable person, you know, like some lighting guy is there. He's like, "Why am I there? This is this is about Pete." And then Pete gets there, and Pete is like, "I don't. Why am I here? This is about the lighting guy. <laughs> like, like nobody's comfortable." And then there are these fucking atrocious uh, people that just love being social, <laughs> who have no fear. And, I, uh, are you one of those people? Uh, I do. I'm yeah. only teasing. But then I sleep for like a day. Like I do. Oh, I like I do it. And and the, in the outside world, people are like, oh, that's so effortless. That's like her normal thing. And then I yeah. have to go take a six hour nap. See, just, that that's the other part of it. That's the ordering Thai food while you're high eating a pizza part of it. Is I, I just I was thinking of one specific friend of mine who I'm just like, how do you do it? Yeah. He's just so genuinely interested in other people, and I can do it for three hours on my podcast, but the rest of the day I'm like, fuck all y'all! Like I don't want to hear anything about you uh, because I get exhausted. But anyway, I was going to this party, and I would like pull over in my car and and tap, and it would really, it it helped a lot. Yeah. That sort of like even though I like it just would help me unpack. We're so lost. We don't know. We've learned the shorthand with ourselves. And you go, you you learn these sweeping generalizations. Like, I don't like parties. You know what I mean? And I, th- I think that's so funny to say, like, I don't like parties. And then it's like, you start tapping and, or, or you're meditating or co- contemplating. Or, but, like, sometimes a method really helps you. Yeah. It, it helps me. And you're doing the rounds. And you're like, even though I uh, get nervous talking to people, even though I'm afraid of being humiliated, even though I'm afraid people will see that I'm not always happy, or they'll, mm. they'll, uh, it often comes down to fear, embarrassment, fear of humiliation, uh, fear of not being what people, th- what you think people think you are, yeah. is a big thing for me, and that's why that goes back to the drinking. So then you come back and you have this thing that you're like, I'll drink. 
And that will give me this permission to stop trying to be that thing because I'll be like, well, now I'm drinking or whatever it is. Right, because you there's that people who are putting you on a pedestal. Yeah. And you're like, I can't live up to that. So, you so get, let me just rebel yep. and experience some kind of freedom. You get messed up and you're like... But see, this is a thing. without ta- and, and, you know, obviously tapping and meditation. But for me, if I don't tap, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> like, like a lot of times <laughs> you'll be upset and then you start to tap and you start with where you are. Yep. And when you feel a little bit more calm, <laughs> then you go actually this reminds me of this event or this makes me feel like I can't live up. You see, that goes back to comedy. That's a comedian's job is to tell you what you're really – like Louis C.K. has this great bit about the dad saying to his son, shut up and eat your your fucking french fries. He's like, why did that dad say shut up and eat – I would never. Before he had kids, I would never. And then he goes through what it's like being with his son or or his daughter. He has daughters. I think he has two daughters. What it's like a full day. What what is it like when you go to Disneyland and, and they don't even like it and they're cranky all day and it's too hot and then you end up in a, a McDonald's because you can't find anything that you all want to eat and and then they won't stop asking you why every time you say something and then you catch yourself saying shut up and eat your fucking French fries and that's that sort of understanding that we're all craving and that and that's the any sort of contemplation and I'll include EFT as a as a form of contemplation. Is, is helping us understand and shed light, which is often quite delightful, on what it is that we're actually uh, about. And we never, it's so, it's funny. That's kicking a bottle cap. I wanna throw this, bo- <laughs> I wanna throw this bottle cap away. I want, the, I want to, I dropped a bottle cap. I don't wanna bend over, <laughs> but I don't want someone to get mad at me for leaving it on the ground, so I'll kick it. That is so funny when you start just seeing what it is somebody's about in that moment. So when we do EFT and, uh, you know, something like, you know, I, I don't smoke, but if, if I did want a cigarette, you might tap for a cigarette and you'd be like, even though I'm afraid of dying and I want to do something rebellious, that that's why smoking is so cool. Yeah. It'll always be cool. It's the person that's kind of owning their mortality. You're doing something. I say it's cooler now than it was in the 60s when they didn't know, early 60s, late 50s, when they didn't know. It's cooler now when you see someone smoking. It's also not cool at all. But I'm just saying like you get, uh, House of Cards, he smokes, this guy smokes, and you're just kind of like, because he gets it. He's not trying to cling to the world that's on fire. He's like, we're all dying. And I'm I'm with, if there are people listening and we shouldn't endorse smoking, I, I completely agree. You brought me a green juice for crying out loud. Yeah, which I haven't given you. It's in this plastic bag. But I also like to, when I drink my green juice, I like to say it won't save you. Yeah. And it won't. It yeah. might make you feel great, and that's a great reason to drink it, but it's not going to save you. Definitely. We can all be raw vegans, and we can put Ormus in our belly buttons and all that sort of stuff. It's not going to save you. And and that that is as close as you can get to saving yeah. yourself, is realizing that you can't be saved. Yeah.